Welcome to the Today's Market Explained podcast, hosted by Brian Castle. Brian has been a financial advisor for over 35 years and is the founder of Four Star Wealth in Chicago. He will be sharing the most important investment opportunities out there in ways that are easy to understand and hopefully even easier for you to benefit from. Brian will also be interviewing subject matter experts who can give insights into new and exciting investment opportunities. To see all the best video highlights from every episode, please follow at Today's Market Explained on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Now, on to the episode. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the, the Today's Market Explained podcast. This is a market commentary podcast. We just finished some interesting interviews, and um, we'll come back to that. But for now, we're going to talk about what's going on with this market. We did a, a review of the markets here a couple of weeks ago, just as we uh, completed the new uh, the, the year of 2022. Now we're into 2023, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's starting to happen. And I will say that um, we have now been heard on Antarctica. We had a, uh, a, a vacationer, a friend of Four Star, who was down in Antarctica and managed to listen to the podcast just off the coast of Antarctica. I think there's no, there's no Wi-Fi on Antarctica, but uh, nonetheless, this gentleman did. And uh, so thank you very much, uh, Mr. Steve Baird from uh, Baird & Warner, listening to our podcast down there. So now we've been heard, Chris, on seven continents. And uh, let's, let's get going with our next episode. Uh, welcome to my partner, Chris Reardon. Um, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brian. Glad to be here. Good afternoon to everyone. And uh, glad to talk a little bit about the markets. And, and Chris is our four-star director of development, master of all things portfolio, and uh, loves his Cleveland Indians. Uh, he's a, a father of three young children under two years old. Oh, my goodness. Chris, uh, thank you for being with us here at the podcast. Thanks. Thanks again, Brian. And I'm Brian Castle. I'm the CEO and founder of Four Star. I'm an Eagle Scout, trustee of the National Boy Scout Foundation. I'm the chief dad to Quinn and Evan and the husband of the amazing Tripti. Let me just say, everybody, if you like what you're hearing, please give us a five out of five and forward this episode to some of your friends so they can listen and hear what we're talking about. Um, there's a lot of really interesting things to say about what's going on in the financial markets today. Very confusing time, very interesting time. Uh, we're going to talk about the markets, Chris, and then we're going to talk about the economy, some general ideas about what we see out there. So, Chris, let's talk about our positioning in the markets right now. Where are we? Where are the rankings between one and six? What's working and what's not? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, so we, we had a bit of a switch up in the number one position. So international equities uh, took over the number one position from cash. Uh, it actually gained 33 points uh, since the last podcast, which was uh, January 5th to reference, um, to 240 tally points now. So I took over that one spot there. Uh, cash dropped to two. It lost 17 points, uh, and it, it's at 218, 218 uh, tally points now. So a switch at that top point. Uh, commodities is still holding the number three spot. It lost one point, so it's been relatively stable. It's at 180. Uh, domestic equities lost three points. Uh, it's at 175 in the fourth position. Then fixed income lost 10 points, and it's at 149 in the fifth. And last is still currencies. Uh, in sixth, it's uh, lost three points, and it's at 128. So the biggest news was really that that flip between cash and international equities. In many ways, a lot of that was about um, China, China reopening, loosening some of their COVID policies. Um, that obviously spurs a lot of um, 
potential demand, if they're going to be able to start traveling, things like that. And I think there's also been some optimism uh, in the EU, European Union, over uh, how long the recession over there will be and, and if it'll be less than expected. So uh, there's some optimism on the international front that's driving that, uh, but we'll see if that uh, stands true moving forward. So Chris, this is a really interesting set of circumstances. So international equities, as you say, gained dramatically. The dollar has been a little weaker, the opening of China. So international equities um, in stocks of companies overseas haven't been in the number one position since 2007. It's yeah, a long, yeah. Wow. A long time. And, and uh, it, so you can't, you can't say how strange that is. And a lot of that, of course, has to do with that our stocks aren't doing as well. Uh, we had a rough year in 2022. Commodities had a, a strong year, but then have since faded a bit. Um, so commodities, cash, and domestic equities are really close to each other in tally scores. So there'll be a little bit of movement between them. But clearly, a num number one position was international equities. And uh, that is, again, a very strange occurrence because we haven't seen that in a long time. Now, um, we have seen international equities rally a couple of times in the last 15 years and then fade very quickly. So we haven't seen the sustained rally in international equities since the period between 2002 and 2007, when international stocks and commodities outperformed U.S. stocks for that whole five-year period of time. So maybe we're going into a period of time like that again, maybe not, but international equities right now are clearly in the lead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing to point out, too, uh, is commodities, even though it's in the third position. I mean, just like you said, as quickly as international could collapse, we could see commodities vault right back up. I mean, I think that just shows just really the volatility and the unpredictability of the current market we're in. Um, China opening, a lot of people point to that as a, another uh, potentially another run for commodities. So we could see that uh, potentially boost commodities back up as they're spending, you know, the impact on oil, impact on a potential building there, things like that. So um, just, you know, what I would stress is it's still a very volatile market. I think really in those top four asset classes, international cash, commodities, and domestic equities, um, in a month or less period, we could easily see any one of those take retake that number one position. Right. And as you said, commodities were really the story of last year, Chris, the 20. 2022 market, the only thing that really worked were commodities uh, mm -hmm. and inverse investments, obviously, but that's uh, negative on the markets. And uh, we, we saw uh, uh, certain individual commodities like nickel uh, and then then strong broad-based groups like, like agriculture and then all oil-related, energy-related commodities did very well. But it was only about a five to six-month move um, then it started to fade in the second half of the year, but but a lot of gains remain in commodities. And so if anybody was in a rotation model that had commodities, they did very well. We have one at Four Star that was not down much for the year when the markets were down dramatically, down 19% on the S&P, 33% on the NASDAQ. And then many of the large techs were down even more than that. So um, the secret to making any kind of return or not losing was commodities last year. So maybe this year it could be international, maybe commodities come back, who knows? <clears throat> um, we are in a very sloppy market, Chris. Uh, we have a bunch of big up days, then a bunch of down days today. Intel is down 10% on a big earnings miss. So we seem to go back and forth. We're off the bottoms, but we're still not looking at any serious direction either way. 
So let's talk about what we think will happen. Uh, but let me let me first comment on a couple of things that happened last year that were first. So in in 2022, um, the the portfolios that go to maximum cash protection had to had to go there twice last year. Now, in my entire career as a portfolio manager, we've only gone to maximum cash, Chris, and protection seven times. But two of those times happened last year because of the volatility. So that was the first time we ever did that twice in one year. And that'll just show you how wild the volatility was. The markets would would correct and go to a new low, and then they would rally 20%, and then they would correct again and go lower. Did that three times last year. So that just shows you what a crazy time it was. And then also, I'm gonna put up on the screen a chart that shows what the markets have done over history. And to show you how different last year was, there's a, on the screen, there's a chart that shows the stock market total return, either positive or negative, and then the bond market total return, either positive or negative. And if you can see in the upper right quadrant, most of the dots are in the, in the box where it says the stock market was up and the bond market was up and each dot represents one year. So most of the, of the items are in this upper right box. That's the normal condition of the markets. Usually stock market's going up and the bond market is giving positive returns through interest and not losing value. Then if you look at the upper left, that's where the stock market is down, but the bond market is up. That's the second highest distribution of returns, uh, but significantly less than the double up. And then over to the bottom uh, right, uh, we see uh, five years only where the, the bond market was down. The bond market generally doesn't go down very much, but the stock market was up. So this little box over here on the lower left, which means both the stock market and bond market were down, only had zero instances up until last year. So last year was the first year in which both the stock and the bond market were down in American history, or at least in modern finance industry um, history. So now we're looking at why did that happen? Of course, interest rates spiked up so sharply that the bond market really literally collapsed. And it was the worst bond market on, on record in American history, down 12%. The stock market was down close to 20% percent on the broad index and then the technology index down 33. Many of the big tech stocks were down even more. So it was a very, very rough year for investors. Uh, so as I call it a year of firsts. And so we went to cash twice because of all this volatility. Uh, and then also we saw the markets both go down for the first time in American history. So there's been a lot of pain out there, Chris, let me tell you, a lot of investors down 20, 30 percent. Um, and you know, a lot of retirement plans might change. A lot of investors might have to change their whole program based on what happened last year. <clears throat> so we're proud to tell everyone that four-star investors with our rotation models did not sustain as big of, of a big decline. Um, most of our investors know more than a single digit decline because we did have the four-star protection plan and the rotation models in place. And we, we sustained much less downside than most investors. So we're very proud of that. But hopefully things have bottomed or we're getting close to a new bottom and then we can move on. The good news, Chris, is that we've never seen a perpetual bear market. Bear markets do end. And whether we've already bottomed um, back in October and we're just kind of trading around here for a while, or maybe we go to another new low, that low will probably be the end of this bear market and then we'll start heading upward. So 
Um, we're looking at a lot of interesting things in the economy that will determine probably what the markets will do. So, Chris, why don't we go through what you saw just this week in the economy? Yeah. So just a couple highlights of economic data that came out. Uh, the biggest, I would say, is the GDP number we got for the Q4 uh, or the last quarter of 2022. Uh, it came in at 2.9%, which was a slight slowdown from the Q3 number. That was 3.2%. Uh, biggest driver behind that was consumer spending. So, I, you know, I think the positive aspect of that is we, we didn't see it. a huge drop there on GDP. Uh, yet, uh, but I guess the underlying some of the consumer spending, some of the underlying underlying drivers uh, as that quarter went on, so October, November, December, uh, were weakening more. So uh, we could see uh, a weaker than expected or a much weaker number in Q1 uh, potentially of this year, 2023. So um, the personal consumption uh, expenditures price index, uh, which is what the Federal Reserve really likes to use for their inflation measure. Uh, it's known as the PCE price index. Uh, it rose 5% in December year over year, and that's a slowdown from the 5.5% uh, year over year increase in November. So about a half a percent slowdown there. So uh, we continue to see that inflation number uh, slow down uh, slightly, although their target, the Federal Reserve still stated target is 2%. So that's still 3% uh, above where they would like inflation to be. Um, the producer price index rose 6.2% year over year in December. Uh, that was the slowest annual rate of increase uh, since uh, March of 2021. Uh, so that's positive. That means on the supplier side, we're starting to see costs come down. Usually that gets translated to the, uh, the purchasing side or the, the consumer spending side. So um, on, on both fronts, really, we're seeing inflation continue to slow. Uh, most of that was expected. Um, you know, maybe we'll see spikes here and there, but overall the trend has been down with the growth. Um, purchases at stores, restaurants, and online declined a seasonally adjusted 1.1% in December from November, so month over month. Um, and then spending by U.S. households decreased 0.2% uh, in December from November. So that's that trend affecting, potentially impacting the GDP coming into Q1 2023 if those trends continue and consumer spending, household spending continues to, to uh, move downwards, uh, that is going to have a big impact on GDP. It's uh, the biggest, um, has the biggest contribution to that uh, GDP calculation. So uh, keep, an, keep an eye out on that. Uh, on the positive front, uh, the University of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Index rose uh, nearly 9% to 64.9 in January. Uh, from 59.7 in December, uh, and that's the highest reading since April of 2022. Um, so uh, positive there. I, I think what we're getting this this read, and, and I think some of the volatility and some of the, the craziness in the market right now is uh, you have a lot of people that are starting to get a little bit more positive sentiment because they see the Federal Reserve potentially slowing the rate hikes or stopping altogether. Uh, and then they're looking out a year in the future or even towards the tail end of this year and projecting even, you know, or they're thinking even that, are they going to start uh, lowering rates potentially and, and the impact that could have. So we're already getting, you know, as humans, we, we like to be optimistic. We like to look forward. We're already seeing people kind of project out and feel a little bit more optimistic. Once again, 64.9 is still pretty low. Uh, if we go back to 
uh, even pre-pandemic or in like 2021. I mean, we were in the 80s and 90s. At some points, we've been over 100. So still low, but it's positive that I th we're starting to see it tick up again. Uh, so that's positive. Uh, and then the last tip that I have is the sales of previously owned homes slid 17.8% um, in 2022 from 2021 year over year. Nice. Well, now you also talked a little bit about what's going on with China, Chris, and and that's interesting because China is one of the, was one of the strongest growth markets for a long time, but now some of their demographics are taking over, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, this was, I mean, really, really big news. Uh, China's population fell uh, roughly 850,000 by 850,000 people uh, to 1.4 billion in 2022. Uh, which, you know, 850,000 out of 1.4 billion doesn't seem like a lot, but that was the first decline in Chinese in the Chinese population since 1961. Um, a lot of this was due to the um, one child policy that China enacted due to concerns of overpopulation. Um, and then you once you add in certain um, cultural aspects of the Chinese cultural, you know, a lot of uh, in, in China, it's a lot better to have um, or to have a boy, just like kind of from, from the cultural perspective there. So you had, you know, demographic skewing towards male rather than female as people were, would, you know, try just for a boy instead of a girl. So, you know, their population has really became skewed off of that. And then on top of that, they have a very, very large elderly population as well. So, um, you know, there's concerns and, and that's been brought out. I know I've seen a couple articles on it so far to start 2023, but concerns about what that could mean uh, for China down the line. Uh, and then on top of that, if the trends do continue, uh, India could overtake China as the most populous country in the world as early as next year. So, I mean, we could see that uh, number one population title move from China to India uh, fairly soon. And it's interesting now the Biden administration has also made some moves uh, to restrict mining, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, that was actually, I think that came out this week. The uh, Biden administration moved to block mining in northern Minnesota uh, for about 20 years. Um, it's it's really interesting. We've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, you know, we're not necessarily against green energy, but doing it in a uh, rational way with a rational timeline and actual plan uh, is very important um, because just throwing irrational numbers out there doesn't do anything. And, you know, we know this, this administration is very passionate about, you know, electric vehicles, um, you know, wind power, solar power, things like that, you know, but if you're gonna have these and have very, very aggressive initiatives, you're gonna need uh, copper and nickel and, and uh, this area of Northern Minnesota, the uh, development that was gonna happen was a copper and nickel mine. So um, it, it's, it's kind of, I don't know where they're going with it because it's kind of, you're pushing one thing, but then you're, you're choking off the points needed to actually attain those goals. So it's really just running in circles um, and a lot of posturing in my mind to make it seem like they're trying to do a lot when you know, there's really no plan behind it, rational plan at least. Well, there's been a ton of job cuts. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about technology in a minute, but Chris, uh, some other companies now are cutting as well. Yeah, so Hasbro came out this week. Uh, they had bad earnings this week, and they came out with plans to cut 15% of their global workforce. So uh, we've seen and we've talked, I think, on previous podcast episodes about um, some of the cuts we've seen. Mostly they were they – were, um, 
in the tech world. That's where the biggest ones came. I think almost every big tech company had major layoffs. Uh, Google was in the news heavily in the last week because they had a huge uh, reduction of workforce. I think something around 20,000 employees uh, were let go and it was pretty much just um, flash and burn across the company. So, uh, but Hasbro is obviously not considered mostly a tech company really. Uh, and they're cutting 15% of the workforce. Uh, so, you know, this is to be expected. And I think uh, one important thing to point out, Brian, like you said, you know, uh, recessions, if you will, are cyclical. So we have, you know, markets most likely for in a recession now, um, we have the um, earnings coming out now. And this is, we were kind of projecting this a little bit, uh, kind of towards the end of 2022, that we really need this earnings adjustment period. And, th and that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing a lot of bad earnings, a lot of bad projections. So what's going to start to happen is then the next earnings cycle, so Q2 and then even into Q3 of 2023, we're going to start revising those earnings down. And then once they get revised down, and hopefully at some point base and start moving upwards again, that's when most likely we'll start to see uh, the market bottom potentially uh, and, and start to move upwards strongly. So... Um, but on the flip side, like uh, Brian's talked about, is not every area is getting hit. Um, Chipotle, in fact, uh, plans to hire 15,000 people in the U.S. as they're seeing their business increase uh, in the coming months. So, you know, each sector, I know restaurants even, um, each sector um, doesn't necessarily, isn't getting hit um, equally, if you will. So uh, really interesting on that front. And, and one other thing I'll mention is, um Bed Bath & Beyond, which we've talked about here, um, as getting close to bankruptcy, they're kind of dwindling back and forth, Well, they've been cut off from their credit lines as uh, several other banks have determined they've defaulted. So um, they're getting pushed closer and closer to bankruptcy at this point, most likely unless there's some uh, kind of um, saving grace at the end there are going to have to declare bankruptcy. So um, they'll go through that process. I think it's another important thing to highlight that bankruptcy doesn't necessarily mean that the company is going to go away. They could restructure it, streamline it. You could see a lot of stores close and then optimize it. So we'll see what ultimately happens to Bed Bath & Beyond through this process. But um, most likely at this point, it looks like they're going to have to declare bankruptcy. So Chris, you mentioned about how Chipotle is doing some hiring. And so while we're seeing an economic slowdown in, in America, and we saw that most of last year, while the first quarter of last year and second quarter were down, third quarter was up over 2%, but the domestic economy was down where, where all the growth was in exports. Uh, a little different here in the fourth quarter, but now with all the layoffs and all the predictions, earnings are down 4.8% for the S&P uh, for the first quarter. So looks like things are slowing down. At the same time, there's some very strange things happening. We're seeing a near record travel boom. Uh, try getting a hotel room in the Bahamas right now. Uh, try finding a, a round trip air flight anywhere in America for less than for less than two hundred dollars. I don't think it's available anymore. So prices are going up. People are traveling, and this we think is probably a pandemic effect, where many uh, other functions of life have come back but yet many people from the pandemic were still concerned about travel. So since Thanksgiving, there's been an enormous travel boom above 2019 levels. And so that's a positive. There's also enormous amounts of R&D and production roles in the healthcare industry that are growing nicely. So while we're seeing 
all these slowdowns in the real estate markets and, and, and the interest rate effects, uh, we're also seeing some gro- big growth areas. So there are a lot of um, prognosticators and market commentators predicting a, a big wipeout in the market, a big earnings downturn, one of the worst recessions ever. Um, when you see things like that, that gives you pause and think, well, maybe there will be a recession in certain areas, but maybe certain areas won't be as bad as people think. So we're kind of in that camp where, um, yeah, we could have a bad recession here in 2023, but with some of the things we're seeing, there's a, there's a decent chance that it's not as bad as people think. So uh, we'll keep watching and see what evidence we get over time to see if that's true. But we're obviously hoping so we don't have a big, big economic downturn. But, um, you know, at least we're seeing some signs that that might be possible. Um, now, as far as uh, the, the election season has changed many things. And one of the things they changed is now there's an opposition party. We talk about gridlock. Sometimes gridlock is the best thing where there's two different parties that have two different views of things and they're both bringing their ideas to the fore. One of the things that's happening with the change in party in the, in the Congress is that they're launching investigations and suits against uh, tech companies. Uh, Chris, isn't there a investigation on Google? Uh, yeah, so uh, the government filed an antitrust lawsuit uh, against Google this week, uh, trying to compel the company to divest part of their advertising technology unit. Uh, which uh, back in 2021, this unit comprised about 12%, so a, a decent chunk of um, Google's uh, revenues. Uh, so, you know, and this has been an ongoing thing. I think that it's still going to continue to be in the limelight um, that, you know, you have these massive tech companies, uh, Facebook, Google, that uh, have responsibilities in some cases of the public and, and things like that. So it's it'll be interesting. I think that, that this has been... I wouldn't say a fear, but this has definitely been something people have seen kind of coming down the pipeline potentially uh, that maybe these companies will need to be broken up or, or have other regulations put up on them. And I know it's been a one of the few bipartisan um, objectives, if you will, uh, by Congress is is going after some of these bigger tech companies. So yeah. no surprise, but it'll be interesting to kind of see. Uh, I'm sure Google's going to fight it to see kind of what the overall outcome is. Well, and there there is a obviously a, a sell-off going in the tech industry uh, in the stock market, sure. And there's been massive layoffs announced uh, in tech, but there, don't forget there are massive uh, employment uh, roles also in the tech industry. So even with all the layoffs that have been announced, tech unemployment is still only at about 2%. So most of the layoffs in technology have been surrounding e-commerce. So we're seeing another little strange mini trend with people slowing down on e-commerce. And we're also seeing a little tick up in stores as once again, pandemic effect, people um, have avoided stores uh, wearing masks and things like that, even though the pandemic has been pretty much over, but many people were still cautious. So now it's this Christmas season, there were more people going to stores than in a long time. So we're seeing a little mini trend change there as well. And then uh, also in the software area, um, they're still hiring software engineers the, the driver of much efficiency in business is often technology. Uh, we see it in our business. We see so many ways that things used to be on paper. Now they're in computers. We're able to handle more things, much more efficient. So there's still a lot not there for technology and software developers, for example. Uh, but we're seeing a change in employment. We'll see if that tech uh, uh, unemployment goes higher 
we'll see if the layoffs continue. And so we'll be back with more information on that. So a lot of, uh, a lot of cross currents, Chris, a lot of strange things going on in the economy. Um, so maybe we're hoping that it's not as bad of, uh, of an economic downturn. And if that was the case, then maybe the markets have already bottomed uh, with 3,500 on the S&P back in October, and then we'll march up from here, or maybe we do have another leg down. We'll just see how the news flows out, see if we have any more wars. There's been threats of a war in, in Taiwan with China going to Taiwan. So any any of those things could tank the stock market, you know, if, if the, there's concern out there. Um, there was also an interesting thing. Um, there's a, a, a bug infestation in, the, in Queensland, Australia, wiping out the entire sugar crop of Australia. And so now there might be a spike in sugar costs. So get ready to pay more for your Coca-Cola and all your sugary drinks. Um, so anyway, that's really it for, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the economy. Um, had a couple comments about what's going on in the political world, Chris, that, will, that can affect the economy. Now, we're hearing a number of false claims from, from our president again. Unfortunately, he mentioned the other day, wages growing higher than inflation. Well, that's a, a false claim. Uh, wages aren't growing that fast. Inflation is higher uh, than it has been in a long time, but it is decelerating. It is coming down, but it's still quite high. We're still in the fives and sixes. We had been in the 9% range last June, so it is getting better, um, but there's a lot of misinformation being spread out there. You know, we did see uh, at the beginning of the year a battle for the speakership in Congress. And I wanted to comment on that because it is important that even though the new um, Congress has come in with a different party, the members of that caucus did call their potential speaker candidate to the carpet and say, hey, we want some changes. We want Congress to run better. We want bills to sit on the floor for 72 hours so people can actually read them. Uh, we want more controls on spending. So even though many of the people in the party generally supported the gentleman, Kevin McCarthy, who's come the speaker, the fact that they did actually force some reforms can only be good for the Congress. Um, in recent years, the Congress was voting by proxy. They weren't engaged at all. They were overspending. And so maybe a lot of those reforms will, will help America and help America grow better and make sure that we, we maintain our competitiveness. Now, one thing that we are very concerned about is the debt. Now, we're in the middle of a big debt ceiling battle. And of course, this has happened a, a couple hundred times in the last 40 or 50 years where Congress has to raise the debt ceiling. And the reason they have a ceiling is they want to make sure that we're aware that the debt is going up and we try to take some action to, to rest that debt, Chris. Now, the thing is, there is a crowd that are saying we need to raise the debt ceiling without any changes because we're risking the full faith and credit of the U.S. government if we don't pay our bills. Well, and I, I, I do believe that the crew that is trying to make some changes is not trying to cause the full faith and credit to be at risk. But yet, this is a good time to look at your credit. If, you, if you're maxing out on your credit cards um, it is, and, and you're able to get another credit line to go up, um, maybe you're going to hit that credit line and keep going and it'll never end. So maybe this is a good time to take a look at what reforms can we bring to our spending? We've spent record levels. We've added 10 trillion in debt through the pandemic period of time, uh, which maybe we needed to because we went through a very difficult time in the country. But now we need to stop that uh, adding debt. We had five trillion in debt in over 200 years of our country's existence, 
up until the Bush administration, five trillion in debt, and then it's gone up now to 31 trillion in just about a 20 year period of time. So it's, it's really chronic, it's existential. We need to solve it, we need to solve it now. But just going on and raising the debt ceiling without reforming anything, that's the irresponsible thing. I think this is a good time to step back and say, what are we doing now? Interest rates are gonna be are higher, so our debt cost is gonna be higher, that's gonna cause more spending. What can we do to reduce that and get that back in line? I will assure you that if we do not make reforms to our spending, we will, we will threaten the, the full faith and credit of the US government if we don't solve our spending problem. We don't have a revenue problem, we have a spending problem. And we spend too much, we spend much more than we bring in, and that needs to stop, or it, it's existential. It could, could mean a currency crisis, could mean a debt crisis for America, and could suffer uh, a sovereignty issue as well. America could be at risk itself. So we're, we're here to advocate it's time to do something about the, the, the debt and use the debt ceiling time as a way to take a look at what we're doing and make sure we make some changes so we don't spiral out of control. And then America might not even exist at some point. So, so Chris, um, that is all we have for today. I know we have a couple of blog posts out there. Uh, we have one about going to Mars. So have a look at that. Um, also up on the four-star site, uh, we've got all the interviews. You can look at uh, also at Stitcher, Spotify, and all the other podcast services. We just did an interview with a very interesting entrepreneur, Todd Ernest, who started from no college education, um, no, no formal training, and he's built a national company in HVAC and refrigeration. So you can still make it in America without a college degree. Everybody's got to go to college and take on hundreds of thousands of debt just to succeed? Well, maybe not so. Maybe maybe people can be in the trades as well and do very, very well. So do listen to that interview with Todd Ernest. It was quite quite good. Um, Chris, I think that's all we have for today, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think that about covers it for the uh, end of January. All right. Well, for my friend Chris Reardon, uh, for our whole team in Chicago, uh, Laura, uh, Chris, uh, Jonathan, our team on the East Coast, Karen, Tucker, and Brian, and all the great four-star advisors. We'll leave it there for today. We'll be back again with another episode. Um, thanks everybody for being with us on today's Market Explained, the four-star media event, video, and podcast series. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way you can support us is to leave a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And if you heard something here that someone else you know will find value from, please share the episode directly with them. Want us to answer your investing question directly on the next episode? Go to todaysmarketexplained.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, and submit your question. Please follow at Today's Market Explained on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube to see the best moment video clips from every episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and keep on growing out there, everyone.